Rivalries are everywhere. One of the greatest rivalries in sports has to be between the Chicago Cubs and White Sox. And part of the reason for this is both teams are just so rich in history. Ice cold beer! One team on the north side of Chicago, the other on the south side. And both have had curses that the teams have eventually gotten off their backs. A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time! And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series! Juan Uribe with a play, charging it, throwing it, and the White Sox celebrate their first title in 88 years. At the end of the day, though, these baseball teams are businesses. And sometimes that brings around changes, like the Chicago Cubs fighting for things like getting lighting installed so that they could play games at night. They used to have to call games due to darkness, and the last time this happened was in 1987. Get your hot dogs here. On the other side of the city, the Chicago White Sox pushed back the start of their games and adjusted their start times to 11 minutes past the hour, pushing it back six minutes from five past seven. The reason for this? Well, they were looking to do a sponsorship with 7-Eleven, the convenience store you surely know, may have seen anywhere in the world or even on your phone if you order Uber Eats looking for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. When the marketing department from 7-Eleven and the sponsorship department for the Chicago White Sox were trying to figure out some sort of promotional tie-in with all kinds of the typical thing like getting all of the players who wore number 7 or number 11 to be sponsoring the 7th inning stretch. But then they had the great idea to change the start time to 7.11 p.m., which is perfect. 7.11 now operates all over the world. Their last mile logistics are some of the best in the world, which allows them to adapt quickly, including things like selling their own private label products on Uber Eats. And when you've been around e-commerce as long as I have, this sounds a lot like a big brand selling their private label products on Amazon, another marketplace. In the season finale of Rolled Up, I ventured out to a local convenience store and chatted with Henry, the local snacks plug in my neighborhood. We talk about the power of Uber Eats during a promotion, competing in old school and new school rivalries like getting exotics you can't get elsewhere, and competing with his rivals like the other ghost kitchens who are selling Ben & Jerry's. I hope you enjoy this episode of Rolled Up, which is the finale for season two. Special thank you to Jamie and Colin for joining me in the driver's seat in a few episodes. And of course, all Dodge for producing, mixing, and making me sound so good. Hope you enjoy this episode of Rolled Up. Henry, thank you for recording with me. Season finale of Rolled Up. First episode, recording in person after the pandemic. This season's been about all kinds of things that people have been ordering online. For me, my guilty pleasure was was ordering snacks and stuff from from Uber Eats. Saw that you had the best selection in a Facebook group. Swung by a couple times, and and here we are. So why don't you give us a little little background on on the store? We're in Toronto. If anyone's seen Kim's Convenience, also a Toronto based convenience store, and we're going to chat a little bit about just the the last year or so. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm Henry. Basically, uh, we run the six convenience. Kim's convenience is actually an inspiration of ours. 
It's a great show. Uh, yeah, so we just started a convenience store right, literally right before COVID, but we didn't know it was COVID. And then before you know it, everybody's saying, it's like, hey, this is becoming a pandemic. We're like, oh my God, things are about to happen. And it's been it's been a learning curve. We're starting to grow. We're starting to obviously get more stuff in. And um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. And I think that that's a great topic for, for the first thing that we want to talk about is the Uber Eats, all the the on-demand platforms because it's crazy that at 10 o'clock at night, you don't have to walk out to go get some snacks or bottle pop. You, you hit a couple buttons on your phone and yes, you pay a premium, but it, you can have it delivered. What made you get on Uber Eats versus the traditional convenience store model, which is very almost cash-based business, very small radius around you of basically people who can walk to you and you're, you're the closest. What made you take that leap to jump on uber eats to tell you the truth it's my girlfriend (laughs) it was literally a big joke so what happened was that she applied for the uber eats program basically they sent her a tablet me and my buddy just sitting there drinking laughing at her thinking this is a big joke there's no way anyone's going to order anything from uber eats and stuff right so every day she literally sticks it to my face every single day i told you so i told you so i'm like all right cool so yeah, we started with Uber Eats. They take 30%. So whatever we buy, um, we buy obviously whatever we can. We have to market adjusting uh, to the 30% that they do. Uh, we got into Skip the Dishes. We got into uh, DoorDash. But Uber Eats is our number one maker. And like ever since then, we just target more towards the uh, snack, the late night crowd. Like what, 80% of our sales is Uber Eats. And we get busy at like 7, 8, 9 o'clock and then on, right? So like, during the day, we're just like lounging around, selling the convenience store stuff, but it is Uber Eats is our moneymaker. What is the difference between someone ordering on, on Uber Eats versus just swinging? Because I, I know personally, I always order way more on Uber Eats to get free delivery, but also if I'm, I'm paying the delivery fees, I, I want to feel like I'm getting my, my money's worth. Is that the trend or do people come in and spend a ton? Do you see a huge variance in what people spend on, on Uber Eats versus just in store? Uh, regards to Uber Eats, sometimes we get one orders. Sometimes you get about 20 items like per an order. So it depends. If it also has a promotion. So for example, sometimes they have like this promotion. I think it was like you spend 30 bucks, you get 20 bucks off your next order, right? When it first started, we usually get about like 30, 40 orders a day. That day I had like 100 orders one day and 90 orders the next day. I had literally a factory line going out. I'm like, what is going on? We didn't know what was going on. So like our sales do uh, get higher, but when you come inside, we also try to do like a personal touch type of thing. Like basically, like my girl always jokes to me and being saying that when you come in, you're coming for a pop. Next year, you're coming with two, three cases. So it's kind of like, well, that's why she's putting me in front of this because I'm like, I'm pretty much selling my soul just for like a few cases. But like everybody at least gets what they want. And I try to like hook people up. And that's a big reason why I've been so loyal is the the first time we came in, you give some extra like strawberry Twinkies or something exotic. When we ordered some, some ice cream or something on the app you didn't have something in stock so you you called us personally which is exceptional service and then you added in a couple of extras because i think you knew it was our first time and just that's what what i remember as a customer is you actually cared versus 7-eleven or a gas station the other convenience stores with lower selection on on uber eats you actually gave gave a shit that i was ordering and being a first-time customer um, well, our, one of our policy is that we screw up, we hook you up. So like I said, like if we have a pop that I know is like warm, I'm not going to lie. If you're going to pay extra and you get warm pop, I would be pissed off myself. I'll be upset. I'm like, yo, dude, what, what's the point? You know what I mean? 
So yeah, so we always do throw in free stuff in there if we screw up. So that gives us an incentive to get our ball in the game. Like we have to get like ready to go, you know? Yeah, I love that. If we screw up, we hook you up. I, I love that. Yeah, that's my line. <laughs> so uh, any uh, any other merchants listening, that's uh, a great, great customer support policy. The next question, which is kind of loosely tied into that is, you chatted a little bit about exotics. So you've got pops that are pretty much only available in Newfoundland. You've got all kinds of crazy snacks. You call it the exotic section, which I think is is pretty cool. How does carrying a, a wide range of of snacks and exotics differentiate you versus everyone else around here? And I'd just love to to let you chat about that for a couple minutes. I can't compete against the big comp- corporations. Like, uh, for example, 7-Eleven carries about maybe about like four or five different types of ice cream. Uh, with Hagen Doss or I believe Ben and Jerry's, and basically they come in, they're confined to what they can sell, like mom and pop stores. The the main brands and the main flavors. So you have chocolate and vanilla from Hagen Doss, you get chocolate and vanilla from Ben and Jerry. Yeah, we got like twenty different kinds of each company just to basically compete against them. But with these corporations, they have a deal worked out with Uber Eats, so like they get like their percentage is like I think like very very little versus my thirty percent, which I have to pay. So a lot of the drivers, when they come in, they're telling me that I'm like, hey, listen, man, like I get paid more going to you. Like, I think it was like six, seven dollars of delivery versus these guys. McDonald's, I know you only get like three bucks max just for a delivery. It's crazy. Wow. The the underbelly of Uber Eats is something you don't even think about. They get less uh, percentage, less cut. And basically, like, that's why their prices are actually lower on their side. But we the only way we can compete is actually variety. Like we try to add like what? I like 20 different kinds of like. Ben and Jerry's, 20 different kinds of Hagen dazs I got some keto-friendly stuff. Um, regarding the exotic pops and all that stuff, like it's just literally me going and buying like 40, 50 cases of something, which I've already showed with him and the storage room. They're like, wow, this is like a diabetes heaven right here. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I think total calorie count in here is probably 1 billion calories. There's, there's enough caloric energy in here to send one of us to space like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> No, yeah, like that's like 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 for example, Dunkaroos is like the new thing right now. I had to buy a lot of them. I bought like eighty cases, even like just to make sure that I can basically like keep my prices low just to send it off. What about rivalries with other convenience stores? You don't have to name any names, but is there anyone that you see maybe you bring in a new exotic and a week later they seem to have it too? Is there is there anything like that that people might be interested in in, in the juice, the goss? It's honestly every day. Um, it's we're we're all doing the same thing. So I have about like two main rivals in the middle of the night. So I know basically he goes on my side, I go on their side, right? We know. Like one day my prices go down, their prices matches mine. Then their prices go down, I match theirs. It's just it's a competitive game. It, it gets to a point where I'm like you know what, like we have to keep our prices a little higher because we're not we're we're just competing against each other at this moment. So there is certain things that I have that they don't have or they have that I don't have, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's a good way to to make sure you're not racing to the bottom is to have a better selection, better products. What about when it comes to sourcing from, from the wholesalers? Does that get competitive in that you mentioned 80 cases of Dunkaroos or a bunch of cases of, of Monster here? Is there anything that you that people would be surprised to hear of, of how competitive it is, if you can even get the products. Did you buy 80 Dunkaroos so your your rival couldn't have it? Was that sort of the minimum order with the, the wholesaler? How do those politics play into it day to day? So there isn't a minimum. It's just basically, so I'll give you a story about Dunkaroos. Like Dunkaroos is a thing right now. So at one point, everybody was charging Dunkaroos at an outrageous price. I found it. I'm like, all right, cool. 
going to buy them, whatever and stuff, right? So the story goes is that I go to the wholesaler. I see the Dunkery was there. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take 80 cases because eight, the reason I took 80 cases is because they were unopened. I like to take unopened stuff, stash it in my storage room and everything. The guys, like the managers over there, they, like I, I develop a relationship with them. So I kind of know what's going on. And like we, we talk, right? So what happened was is that 10 minutes after I left, this guy came, cleared everything out after me was pissed off because he was informed that there was a lot more, but wasn't aware that I came in first. <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, I got in, in quick. <laughs> right. So like, for example, there's another reason is like, like, let's say for example, I like we open late. So I go to bed like three, four, five in the morning. Yeah. I get a phone call at like six, six thirty Cause I have like one of my guys, like one of the guys I've actually like got really close with inside these wholesalers. And they tell me straight up, I'm like, listen, the skid just came. You got to get here. I got there. I'm working on two hours of sleep. I buy 80 cases of like like a, a certain drink, and I'm like, man, this is this is some hard work. <laughs> it is two hours of sleep, moving 80 cases of of heavy liquid drinks is not uh, not what I want to be doing on on two hours of rest. Uh, for me to actually get a competitive edge, so aka like I have all these exotic stuff, like I buy in bulk just to try to get a little discount or just to make sure that I have it and I and I have it set aside, like. For example, uh, Fanta Berries, the drink, yeah. right? That hasn't been around for I think it was like two, three months, and I had like I had maybe like thirty cases or forty cases like set aside, and now I'm down to like my last bit. And luckily, I went to the wholesale recently. I'm like I found them again. So like sometimes it doesn't come for a while. Yeah. Oh wow. You touched on it a little bit earlier with Seven Eleven and McDonald's. What about the chips? Because I know that's really interesting. It- that there, there's one company that kind of has a monopoly on on all the chips, and then it's everyone else. So when it comes to bags of chips, we only sell the big ones. To tell you the truth, I get all my chips at Walmart. It's cheaper. I go in there buy like three or four hundred bags. I tell my customers like, hey, listen, I actually go to Walmart to buy all this. Even if you go to the wholesaler, it costs more than going to Walmart because they have that purchasing power, right? So it's just basically trying to find a way just to like, just to like trying to scramble any pennies I can get. Wow, which is just crazy to me that full retail at, at Walmart is cheaper than wholesale prices. Like, it's just crazy that that's the, the purchasing power and the amount of control that Walmart has. We're selling convenience, and I tell people, I'm like, hey, it is cheaper at Walmart. They're like, dude, I'm like right here. I might as well buy this. I'm like, all right, cool. And the thing is that the more honest I am, the more they buy. That's the messed up part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's messed up. People, uh, I heard a great quote that I think about every day. Nobody wants to do business with somebody who fucked them. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're buying bags of chips or selling $10 million drill bits for the bottom of the ocean. It's a, not a very long-term strategy if you're constantly just trying to nickel and dime your, your customers. That's actually a really good quote, man. I got to keep that on my back of my head, dude. Like if you got fucked by a wholesaler, are you going there if you don't have to? Well, I try to go somewhere else because there's always, there's always a competitor I can go to. Exactly. And it's we're almost entering the, this time of infinite supply where you can get pretty much whatever you you want if you try to really just grip customers and don't let them escape the moment that they do they're never coming back and it's so expensive to get a new customer why why would you ever do that uh regarding custom acquisition um yeah like honestly i do a lot of things for my regular customers like let's say for example they want to buy a case i get a case for x amount of price i add like a two dollar service fee they're all looking at me it's like dude you're not going to make a living i'm like you know what, man? You got my back. I'm going to get your back. Let's do this together and stuff. And then I know that eventually they're going to send more people. Like customer acquisition is expensive. It is. And sometimes you work so hard to get that customer in the, the door. You know word of mouth is 
the best driver, why not do something to encourage it? Especially if it means that you don't have to break the case. If you're, if you can just move the case right out of the storeroom to them, that's the best case scenario. Yeah, that's the best case scenario. Now, on top of that, like, um, I, I realize community is a really big thing. Mm-hmm. I've been working on that. Uh, I do. I try to help out the community as I can. Like, it, they they reciprocate by doing so. And then, like, honestly, it's like you feel better about yourself as a person. You know what I mean? You do. At the, at the end of the day, you have to have a good night's sleep. At the end of the day, you might as well sleep smoothly rather than thinking, "Well, what would I have done differently." We're coming to the, the second half here. I know that you, you have some plans for expansion in the next year or so because it's not as competitive, but you've mentioned Ghost Kitchens before. I think they have like five different stores on, on Uber Eats. I think they have a store selling just Ben & Jerry's. Uh, yeah, so regarding Ghost Kitchens, the location close by me I pretty much hates my guts. So what happened was that, so Ghost Kitchen on Uber Eats, they have, I think, I think to capture most of the market, they have one store dedicated for ice cream, one store dedicated for like slush puppy, one store dedicated for like uh, the f- certain type of food. And it's just pretty much to do that. You're just like, and it's all featuring the cheesecake factory. Yeah. And like, you're literally paying delivery service for like different types of business, but it's all in one location with us. I just got what I have a, I, I have to buy a, a slush puppy machine, make sure everything's real. The syrup is real. Everything, pro- all the process is proper. Like the machine cost me like five grand, but like at the same time, like the rep that I have and stuff is really good. I got good relationships with all these reps. I'm like, hey, how do I do this, this and that stuff? I learn how to, how the game works. So I, I try to put everything in one location to get everything together. So also like, for example, Ben and Jerry's, basically I have like one of the best rep, like he's good. So I asked him like, hey, listen, how do I get my prices down to pass on the savings to like my customers? So if you actually see my prices on Ben and Jerry's is actually cheaper than the ghost kitchen. It's because I buy like 100, 120 cases at a time just to get grocery store prices and charge less and send it off. So when you see the comparison like Slush Puppy and uh, Ben and Jerry's like you were talking about, like we actually have a better price is because we actually have to buy in bulk and we have a good relationship with our salesman. You mentioned as well getting the uh the reps to compete against each other especially for anything that's frozen or, or cold because you, you do need that that floor space it's expensive to have a bunch of freezers going going all all the time do you have any funny stories about trying to get the uh the reps to to compete there's a, a great book called influence by this guy robert cialdini and he said that if you want to sell a motorcycle or a car or something tell all the buyers that you can only come and see it at 2 p.m on saturday so when they all come together they don't care. All of a sudden, they start out bidding one another. Yeah. Do, do you ever uh, pit the reps against each other like that? So, what happened was that in the beginning, we only dealt with Nestle. Uh, we dealt with Nestle products, like you know, like I started coming in. I started going with, uh, uh, for example, Red Bull and Monsters with Coca Cola, right? So I went with uh, Red Bull, and I called them like, "Hey, listen, um, like, can I? I want, I want to like buy your product. Like, how many do I need to buy to get a discount?" Mm-hmm. And they told me, "He's like, hundred case." I'm like, "All right, done. Let me get a hundred case." And then I go to Monster. I'm like, "Hey, listen, uh, like, what do I need to do over here?" So the rep that I have over there, in the beginning of our store, we had we had to get a fridge from them, but. Mm-hmm. It wasn't working out. We weren't selling it fast enough. Projects were going to expire. But then as business uh, business gets better, we start getting better at, at what we do. So then we, when we when I contacted them for a fridge, they were like, hey, listen, I don't know if you should do this, blah, 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 because you already like sent back a fridge. I'm like, well, I got this. Just give me the fridge. He's like, well, we'll think about it when the time comes. So what happened was that that day when they came, when they brought the fridges, 
literally I had Monster and Red Bull, like 200 Monsters, 200, no, 200 in total side by side each other. The, the sales reps are looking at each other like, dude, what's going on? So they were fighting for like the best surface place to put the, the fridges. So like I said, like you were saying, right, like you have to get them to compete against each other. And uh, regarding the ice cream, I've been with Nestle for a while. I try to work with them. Basically, they refuse to give me a deal. I'm like, hey, listen, man, like I like I need to find somewhere to like thing like I, like i've been loyal to you guys like you know what i might just see what's going on it's like you know what do what you gotta do i'm like all right cool clearly you don't want me to stick with you guys so i contacted um burr logistics that does ben and jerry's right you can take the name call the guy i don't really care and stuff when i went to burr logistics basically they sent the salesman two days later boom i got my sales rep over there shout out to ashton yeah big guy and he just like sits there we start talking he's like listen you got to grab this much. You got to grab this much. You got to grab this much. I'm like, all right, cool. Give me whatever I can to get the best savings to get a competitive edge so I can pass it on to my customers and just like try to get in there. You know what I mean? I love it. So I know we touched on ghost kitchens, but got a little distracted by, by Ben and Jerry's. What are the plans for the future expansion of, of the six convenience? And by the way, it's the six convenience because you're located on, on sixth street. Drake copied you, I believe calling Toronto the six. So convenience service first, then Drake. Is that correct? That's not correct at all. Drake, Drake, Drake's the guy, man. Drake, Drake is the sixth god. I can't do anything, man. I, I honestly, I want to meet him one day, but like he is the man of Toronto. Yes, but but it is because you're on Sixth Street, right, or the Sixth Avenue. So yeah, we are. Uh, so we're in New Toronto. So that's one of the original Toronto neighborhoods. So obviously six boroughs, and I'm in Etobicoke. Uh, yeah, so. The whole thing is that I got an ice cream dipper coming, hopefully by a month or two. I'm going to be serving Kawartha dairy products, which is, I believe, a superior ice cream. I've went to a couple of companies. I checked it out. And honestly, like I found that Kawartha is the brand from country. So based on like country uh, style ice cream that like everyone talks about. I'm like, you know what? We need a few places in Toronto. So I'm getting one of those. I got an ice cream dipper coming. Uh, once that comes out, I got 12 flavors. And then one of the things also is that I'm also planning to build a little kitchen as well because at the end of the day you need to draw more people in so when i build a little kitchen in my office area it's going to like cost me quite a bit so i can get that going i need to train the staff i get that going when the concept of having a restaurant kitchen and a convenience store is kind of like that grocery store that you see in the middle of nowhere where everybody conjugates and like grab whatever they need right so i'm trying to do that in the city if it works out like we are catering to like the late night market we are catering to like basically that's what it is. Yeah. What's, um, I don't know if you want to tell any of the, the stories, but what's the craziest late night story that you have? I had a guy order three cases of water, paid literally $60, $70 per case of water because they're paying for each one. I had to call this dude. I'm like, listen, man, like, I feel like I'm ripping you off. I have to throw some free stuff in there. Like, there's there's no way. And like, I have to throw these like free stuff in. And, and the guy's like, hey, thanks, man. And like, the, he still orders all the time. And like, you know what I mean? But at the same time, like, dude, like, like I tell people, I'm like, yo, if you're going to order a certain amount, just like order like maybe 10 monsters. I'm just going to give you a case of 12. So I get like two for free and stuff, right? Just to hook you guys up. Another story is, is that like in the middle of the night, I think it was like three o'clock during like heavy COVID. Uh, so I get an order. It was like, I think it was like $150, $200 worth of stuff. And you know these guys are partying. It's Red Bull, water, <laughs> monster. Like it's just like just energy drinks on galore. Fruity it's like drinks. Maximum six people in your bubble. Choose your family wisely. Levels of COVID. And these guys are just ordering cases of of all the party flavors. It's not six people. I know for a fact it's not six people. I'm calling this guy. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like I call this guy. 
And I'm like, hey, um, and you understand, this is like two in the morning. And I call this guy. This guy's like wasted. And I'm like, hey, dude, you order a lot of stuff. I got to throw some free stuff in. Like, what's going on? He's like, dude, dude, just throw whatever you want. We're having a party. There's about 30 people here and stuff. And I'm sitting there looking. I'm like, yo, dude, you're not supposed to tell me this thing, man. Like, I don't want to know this. It's like, dude, 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 close the store and just come out to this party. It's a crazy party. Just say you're this guy. I'm like, dude, I, I got to get to work, man. But uh, yeah, don't worry. I throw some free stuff in. And I'm like, people do order a lot of um, crazy stuff. And they're paying a lot. And they're mostly, most of the time at nighttime, they're drunk. Interesting point to, to wrap it up. So, Henry, where can people find you? A lot, of, a lot of listeners in the States and maybe outside of your delivery zone. Where where can people find you if they want to? Maybe if they're, they're local, find you on Uber Eats, come find you in person. Uh, yeah, honestly, like you can Google us. Uh, just a six convenience. We can pop up over there. Eventually, I get my website up. I got to get my Instagram working because that's like the new thing everybody's doing right now. After I can get this going, if it actually starts turning a profit, I got to open up more locations. All of, obviously only Toronto because like I am Toronto based and I love Toronto. Welcome back. Hey, Lucas. It feels like a, an eternity ago that we recorded the, the season premiere, and now we're recording the outro for the season two roll-up finale. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So since it's been a few weeks since you made your debut on Rolled Up, I still haven't launched Bricks and Clicks yet. Why don't you remind everyone sort of who you are and why we're talking about groceries? So I work in the consumer packaged goods industry, advising a lot of big CPG brands on how to make better data-driven decisions. So we work with Cliff Bar, we work with Musco, we work with Amy's. There's a lot of uh, bigger, mostly natural names that we're working with right now. And when you say make better decisions, because I think every marketer wants to be data-driven right now, but you do use data to drive a lot of big decisions. What are the the typical kinds of decisions you would work on with a client? So we're pretty broad in scope, but usually some of the first questions are around pricing, promotion, how do we build out our distribution across the country? And really it all comes down to with the finite resources we have, how do we allocate those, whether they be people's time or or dollars? So it's a lot of P&L modeling rooted in data. So what is omni-channel in the grocery industry? Because I think coming from, from more of an e-commerce background, when, when I hear omni-channel, I think obviously selling on my Shopify website, maybe a retail presence and, and selling on Amazon. But if I'm selling on a couple of channels, that's it. Maybe it's my, my omni-channel marketing where I do email and Facebook ads and text message marketing. But what is omni-channel when it relates to grocery? So omni-channel is something that I resisted for quite a while, which is funny because Omnium, our company name, contains Omni, so I probably should have loved it. And it turns out I do. And so the reason I think I originally didn't like it was when I kind of heard about omni-channel, it was really just um, you got your brick and mortar and you got your Amazon. And we sell some stuff on our website, so we're omni-channel now. Mm -hmm. And as as I've kind of been immersed in it more and more, I realized that Really, to me, it's a logistics play. And so 
omni-channel, this idea of omni-channel says, hey, we could play in a whole bunch of different markets. It doesn't just have to be brick and mortar markets that are traditionally hard to set up and hard to supply. But with this online and with retailers also having online, we can fulfill to all these marketplaces through the exact same supply chain. I don't care if an order comes from Amazon or if an order comes from my own website or an order comes from Vitacost or the store that you and I set up because we went to Costco and bought some stuff and decided we want to sell it online. It doesn't really matter where it's sold at. We can fulfill it the same way with fulfilled by Amazon or selling out of our own own warehouse or using ShipBob. And so it's really awesome because you can have these different markets that are catered towards a specific niche. So I don't, I can list a product in a thousand different online retailers, but I don't have to actually send my product to them. I'm just going to send it to the end consumer, kind of abstract all that stuff away in the middle. And this is really similar to what's going on with ghost kitchens and what your guest was, was working on and talking about. We can have one restaurant can have seven different one rest physical restaurant, I should say, can have seven, 10, maybe more different online restaurants. Mm-hmm. And each of those restaurants can be on 10, 20 different marketplaces online. Yeah, they could have their, their own storefront where you could go in. They could sell it on Uber Eats, Skip, even just their own text messaging platform to say, hey, we've got this. I'm doing a nine o'clock run. Last call for ice cream before you have to pay the Uber Eats fees. Yeah, it's all, it's just out here in the ether, right? It's like we don't, the cost of entry is so low now that we can set up all these storefronts and marketplaces and let the people interact how they want to interact. But our supply chain and logistics is the same no matter what. And so that's the magic of it, I think, is it's really simple on the logistics side and you can get really complicated on your storefronts without having to deal with the burden of that logistical overhead, which is where we see a lot of companies fail. It's often failing on the logistics side, not because of a product or a sales team issue. Logistics is really the hard thing. And I think that's why this episode was so interesting because really, and I remember seeing a couple of years ago, Ben and Jerry's was trying to sell direct, but to sell ice cream in an e-commerce platform is there's just so much that has to go go right for that and through Uber Eats or these food delivery services, which are essentially third-party marketplaces, the exact same way that Walmart jet or Amazon is mm-hmm. they're making it possible to sell these, these hard to fulfill products. Like if you send us a, a skid of, of ice cream to the ship warehouse, you'd probably be in a big trouble because you, you melted ice cream all over the place and created a huge mess, let alone in transit, it, it needs to stay hard. It can't thaw and then refreeze, etc. There's just so many challenges to it. As we wrap up season two, what do you think the biggest challenges logistically for some of these new and upcoming brands? I was going to go with freight costs and uh, overhead costs because that's the one we're dealing with all the time right now. And I think that that's a nice way to tee it up where if you want to hear a little bit more about the insides of the, the grocery industry, we're, we're going to launch a podcast eventually called bricks and clicks on the, uh, the rolled up podcast network. It's all mm-hmm. very grocery heavy, but until we actually hit uh, hit publish on that, 
where can people find you, Colin? Is the uh, my 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 best friend and and co-host here for Rolled Up Season Two. So you can find more information about us on omniumcpg.com. If you are working there with a brand or own a brand or really want to have any questions about building out your distribution or pricing and promotion, um, that's the stuff we love to help brands with. So give us a look. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me here. And I guess that's a wrap on on season two. Thank you so much to everyone who listened. Thank you to the sponsors who made this season possible. ShipBob, we mentioned earlier, just like Omnium, CPG, OmniSend, big sponsor of the podcast, and and Gorgeous, the, the help desk that Susie from Love Good Fats uses way back in episode one. We're calling Join Me. So if you, you didn't hear that episode and you want to hear how, how Susie started a company that did $47 million of sales her second year, you want to hear about a startup drink company or even the business of cannabis. It's been a great season. Make sure you go back and revisit those episodes and leave a review wherever you have listened. We'll be back in the fall for season three. And thank you to Amal Delich for producing this season. 